0: Today we're, we're launching a brand new series of messages called God With Us. God With Us. And, and let me tell you what kind of what I want to do in this message series. We're, we're going we're to bounce off of sort of an anchor scripture for those of us who are followers of Christ. We're going we're to look at the power of the incarnation. And if you don't know that big theological word, that just means when God became flesh and he came and he dwelt among us. And, and so today, as we launch into this message series about the presence of God among us, I, I want to start with a, ver- a verse that we're going to actually begin with. We're going to start every single week, week with this single verse in Matthew one twenty three, and this is what Scripture says: "The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it aloud, this next part together: God with us." The title for this message series is "God with Us," and and for those of you who are followers of Christ, which, as far as I know, most of us here are. Uh, it, you know, the truth is, it's really, really easy to believe that that God is with us when when things are good, isn't it? When things are easy, you know, when you're on the mountaintop in life, it's easy to believe that God is with us. When you when you get good news, when when you get a raise at work, somebody say praise the Lord. When, you, when your baby sleeps through the night for the first time, Hannah, say praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, you know, when you, when you get that parking spot right next to the mall, you know, and you're like, God must be with me today. I'm supposed to shop. <laughs> and all the ladies are saying amen to that. And it's easy to sense the presence of God when things are going good and, and, and when you're on the mountaintop. However, the truth is, it's a lot more difficult to sense his presence when you're in the valley. When things aren't going the way that you, you want them to go, when, when you get some bad news about something, when you're hurting, when you're, maybe you're feeling a little bit of a, alone in your life, when you're worried, when you're afraid, when you're battling depression, when you're walking through the valley, it's a lot harder to sense his presence. So I want to talk today about God in, in the valleys, God with us in the valleys. What's interesting to me about valleys is that sometimes we think of either life as completely up or completely down, and that's not always the case. Because much of of life, sometimes you have these times, seasons of life where much of life uh, can be going really, really well. You know, you have all these sort of different pockets in your life where you're sort of on the mountaintop, but but then there's one area that just weighs everything else down. You know, so much is good. But then one thing is just really, really, just brings a serious weight into your life. So there you are living life on a mountaintop and suddenly there's the valley. Some tragedy comes in in and just steals everything we've been hoping for. And unfortunately, I I think that probably some of you are in in that place right now. Maybe there's some pockets in your life that are really, really good. Like, for example, maybe your marriage is blessed, but but then you have a child that's making some crazy and really bad decisions and it just it just hurts you so deeply or or maybe you're you're you feel really really close to God and you sense his presence in your life but with the economy the way it is maybe you're afraid you're going to lose your job or or maybe you're really really excited about the holidays and getting to get together with the family and yet you just Somehow you got some really bad medical news about you or about somebody else that you love. There are so many good things, and yet there may be one or two things that just kind of take you down into the valley. What I want to talk about today is where is God in those valleys? When you, when you look at Scripture, it's, it's interesting that, that valleys represent different things, we see different things about valleys. For example, battles often took place in the valleys. And some of you in your life, you may be in a battle right now in the middle of a valley of your, of your life. Valleys were seasons of desperation. Valleys were seasons of, of loneliness. However, what's really interesting is that valleys were also times of growth. You, you may enjoy God in certain ways on the mountaintop, but, but you experience him in completely different ways excuse me, when you're walking through the valley, don't you? In fact, if you're taking notes, I, I, I like to say it this way. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valley. We may know him, you know, we enjoy him when times are really, really good, but we really get to know him in a completely different way, <coughs> excuse me, we're in the val- when we're in the valleys. Today, I want to Look at a text from the Old Testament, Psalm 84. <clears throat> if you've ever read through Psalm 84, chances are you probably read right past these verses. If, if you stopped at them at all, you, you probably, maybe you didn't understand them, but I want to look at them and hopefully bring some insight that will impact your, your life in a, in a positive way. So Psalm 84, we're going to begin reading in verse 5. We're going to see... Where God is in the valleys. And th- this is what's what the Psalm, psalmist said. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those, he says, who find their strength in God. Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The Valley of Baca, it talks about. What in the world is the Valley of Baca? Well, the Valley of Baca was most likely uh, related to a tree that would ooze out its, its sap. It has a very similar sa- uh, uh, spelling in the, in the original language. And so this type of tree, when if you walk by it, the people said it was called a weeper. And, and so it looked like the tree was crying. Good Lord bless you cup of water. Excuse me, just a moment. Ah, that's good. So this tree, it would, it would, it would sort of seep this, ooze out this sap. It would look like it was weeping, and that's why when you see this word the, 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 in the Valley of Baca, it's translated in different ways in Scripture. In some translations, it's called the Valley of Tears. Others, it's called the valley of weeping. Others, it's the valley of loss. But any time you see a valley in the Bible, it was this very dangerous place. It would, there'd be thorns there. There'd be wild animals there. That's what the, the psalmist in Psalm 23 talks about. He talks about walking. We're going to mention this in a moment. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And he's putting himself in the position of a sheep walking through this valley where these wild animals are there ready to kill and ready to pounce on him. And, and that's what, is, what it's like. And there, there, there would also be in valleys, there'd be people who would be hiding there ready to jump you and rob you in those days. And it was very diff- difficult to get through a valley without, without something bad happening. And that's why the psalm says in verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Now, if you don't know God intimately, the chances are, there are times when, when you've said things like maybe you've even, even when you know Christ, you, you might have said something like these. You might have said something like, I've just had enough. Now, if you have kids, I know you've said that uh, more than once in your lifetime. I've had enough. Or you say, I can't do anymore. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I just don't have enough. And the truth is, here's what we need to know. The truth is, if you don't know God I- I- intimately then what you have is all you have. If you don't know Christ, then what you have is all you have. However, there are those who are, those who are Christ followers, we, we have a strength that goes beyond just what we have. We have access to a heavenly strength, and that's why the, the psalm has said, blessed are those whose strength is in you, God. We believe that that when we get to the end of our strength, that there is a heavenly strength. There is a divine strength. There is a strength from God that is available to those who know him. I'm going to give you an example of this that that may help you understand a little bit of what it's talking about here. I know it's hard to to imagine looking at me now, but I used to work out a lot. And uh, and I used to go to the gym. And some of you are grinning and laughing, and it hurts my feelings when you laugh at me. So, uh, uh, and uh, anyway, I used to work out quite a bit, and I was, there was a time, a very short period in my life when I was in really good shape. Now I'm in shape, it just happens to be round, <laughs> but it's a different shape altogether. But, uh, but I, I would go to the gym all the time, and, and particularly this period of time in my life, I was going and working out with a good friend of mine, his name is Jeff Rockhold. He is ac- absolutely one of the greatest men I have ever known in my lifetime, one of, my, one of those friends that... When you haven't seen him for months and months and months, when you get together, it's like you've never never been apart. You know that kind of a friend. And Well, he, he's not only a great guy, but he happens, also happens to be a rather large and uh, uniquely strong individual, which, which I just want to say, first of all, that to work out with somebody like that, you have to be pretty secure in your manhood uh, because... I remember, like, we I'd put my weight on there, like, on the bench press, and I'd be working my part out, and then I'd get another workout putting all the extra weight on for him, you know, and all the, everybody in the gym's watching, is like, as, as, when it's my turn, we're pulling off all this weight, and for me to do it, and just because he was so big and strong, it was crazy, because I'd have some normal human weight, and, and then he'd, you know, we'd have to throw in another 250 pounds for him or something, just crazy, but... But when we were working out together, we'd often change up the routine. That's one of the things if you work out, you have to change it up to kind of shock your muscles and to continue the process and that sort of thing. But I remember doing something that's called pyramids. And I don't know if you've ever worked out or not, but, but what you do is you start off when you're doing pyramids, you start off with doing a lightweight and doing a, a larger number of reps then you go to a higher weight and you do a fewer and you work your way up like five s- sets or so until you're doing a heavier weight with just a few reps. Then when you get to the top of that, you start working back down the pyramid. So then you take weight off and do more reps, take more weight off, take, do more, take more. So at the end you're doing with very light weight, but by this time you have absolutely exhausted your muscles. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? And you, you get to that point where, where you're, you, you just feel like an idiot because you know everybody's watching and like you're doing the bar and you're just like, Aah! you know, and everybody's like, man, that guy's really weak. What's wrong with him? You know, but, but, but the thing was, whenever you get to that point, when you're really exhausted, when you're working out, when you're lifting weights, one of the things you have to have is you have to have a spotter. If you're gonna get stronger, you have to have a spotter, and that was somebody who was. And Jeff was he, you know, when we're working out together, we're partners for each other. I will say this: he had a much easier job spotting for me than I did spotting for him, because he'd be like, "All right, I'm gonna come. I need some help here." I'm like, "Dude, I'm helping all I can. I can't do anymore." But but I remember doing those things and we get to the end and it's just really lightweight and you just feel kind of foolish and and the muscles are burned out and there's just nothing left there's just nothing there and so I remember pushing on that bar and and my muscles had just given up and I'm trying to push up he'd be trying to encourage me saying come on man you got one more you got one more and 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 I didn't I didn't have one more but I was trying to give one more, and I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And 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 uh, and then, you know, it would be slowly moving up. And he he st- then would start yelling, it's all you. It's all you. And I'm like, no, it's not me. It's not me. And pretty soon he's like, it's all you. It's all you. And I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally I just give up and let go, and he didn't even realize it. And he's still pulling up. He's like, it's all you. It's all you. It's all you. And I'm like, dude, I, I let go two minutes ago, you know, that kind of thing. And it's kind of but but here's the thing: it, at the end of my strength, Jeff's strength took over. That's the whole point of it. When I didn't have any strength, when I'd given everything I had, and I had nothing I could pour into that, that moment, he had strength that went beyond anything that I could ever have. And the good news for those of us who are followers of Christ is that there is a power that is far bigger than Jeff. There's a strength that is far deeper than what anything Jeff would ever have. And when you hit the end of your strength, where the Bible says that God's strength is made perfect in your weakness, then in that moment, when you just can't do another rep, when you can't take another step, you can't do another thing, his strength takes over for you. And if you're in the middle of a valley right now, I want you to know you have access to the very real, ever-present power of a good God who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And he is available, and he's ready to come and assist you in your time of need. Blessed are those whose strength is in God. Now I want you to notice it doesn't say blessed are those who make it on their own. He doesn't it doesn't say blessed are those who pull themselves up by their bootstraps. We love those stories in America. It doesn't say blessed are those who are really determined to not quit. You know, one of the biggest problems we have in our world today in our culture is that we almost idolize a spirit of independence. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to need anybody. I don't want to be, I want to be financially independent. I, don't, I, don't, I want to be completely good and self-sustaining on my own. I, I don't want to have to trust people. I don't want to have to have people be there for me. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. But here's the reality of it, that we have to get this in our hearts, in our minds. You and I were not created to be independent. We were created... To be in dependence. Independence upon God. We were created by our God to depend on Him. And to depend on other people. And and you are blessed when you finally realize that you are dependent, that you aren't strong enough, that you aren't good enough, that you can't figure this out, that you can't fix this, that you can't take away the pain, that you can't do these things, when you realize that you are dependent uh, on, on someone else, that you're dependent on God, and you realize that, that not only are you dependent, but there is a power that's available that's greater than yourself. And, and when you reach that place, some of you today, you need to just lean into that. You need to admit that. You need to say, I don't have what it takes. I am not strong enough. I can't do this. I can't deal with it. I need his presence. I need his strength. Blessed are those whose strength is in God. I want to show you verse 5. I want to read it from a different translation from the New Living Translation because of what it highlights in this verse. It says this. It says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. I love that. We're on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. What what does that mean? It means that we we may be in the valley, but we're going to what was known as the city of refuge. We're we're going to the place that's called the place of peace. One one commentator wrote this about this verse. He said, to get to the city of refuge, you had to travel through the Valley of Tears. I like that imagery. That sometimes you have to go through it to get where you need to be. Sometimes you have to get get where you really appreciate the presence and the power of God. You have to push through a little bit of pain to get to the presence and the goodness of God. I I put it in my notes this way. For, For so many, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. We push through that valley. We're on this pilgrimage. We're moving through. This is the way the psalmist said it. Uh, Let me me show you the first part. He said, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds. Everybody say, "My my mind is set. Say it again. My mind is set. Blessed are those who have their minds set toward God. You know what? and I think, I think most of us know this, but maybe we don't understand the depth of it. What you think about matters so much. What you dwell upon. I, I've said it like this before, if I can remember it. I didn't write it down, but if I can remember it. But where your attention flows, your, your, where, te- where your attention goes, your power flows. Where you dwell on, what you dwell on, that's what gains power in your life. And so what you think about matters. Paul talked about this a lot in the New Testament. To the Colossian believers, he said this. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Listen, if you're in the valley and you're thinking about the valley, and you're thinking about the problems, and you're dwelling on all the issues, and you're dwelling on all the problems, then your mind is not set on on heavenly things. Your mind is not set on things that are above. Your mind is set on the earthly things. Paul told the Philippian believers this. He said, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Here's the thing. Where you are in life is one thing. But what you think about is something else. What you think about matters. What you dwell on matters. That that is what will eventually consume your life. What you spend time thinking about. What you dwell upon. That's why it's so important to think about God. It's so important to dwell on His scripture because that's what I want to overpower my life. That's what I want to to begin to, 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 to well up from within me not, uh, when I, not the other issues that I'm dealing with. Listen, somebody needs to hear this right now. Your current situation may be in the valley, but you have to understand your mind, even though you're in the valley, your mind can still be set upon God. Your, your heart right now may be racing, but your mind is set. Your soul may be aching, but your mind is set. Your emotions may be raging, but your mind is fixed toward God. There may be too much to do. There may, be, there may be pressure with the in-laws. You may be wondering how we're going to pay for Christmas and, or, and on and on and on and on and on and on. There may be real tragedies in the valley, but my mind is set on the goodness of God. We sang about the goodness of God this morning. He is with me. He is for me. John, first John 4, 4 said, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. My God is going before me to prepare a way for me. His spirit gives me strength when I am weak. I need him every moment of every day. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And when I cannot make it, his power becomes very, very real to me. I may be in the valley. But my mind is set on the kingdom of God. I'm not going to dwell on the. I'm I'm not talking about denying the reality. I'm not pretending, you know, like some Pollyannic. I don't know how to say, turn that into an adverb, adjectives. (laughs) Pollyannaistic. Let's just make up a new one. Like Pollyanna. I'm not talking about pretending that you don't have problems. I'm not talking about, you know, walking around like you're some fruit loop or something like that. I'm saying that you recognize, man, I'm dealing with some issues. There's some problems going on in my life, but I'm not going to allow those things to take over my mind. I'm going to think about the goodness of God. I'm going to think about the one who's going to see me through this. I'm going to think about if I'm sick, I'm not going to spend my time dwelling on the sickness. I'm going to be thinking about the God who can heal my sickness. I have to have my mind fixed in the right place because I'm on a pilgrimage. I love that, 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 that what it says there. Psalm, in verse 6, it says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. I, I like that first part, as they pass through. They didn't pitch a tent there, did they? They didn't build a dwelling place there. In other words, you may be in the valley right now, But the valley is not your destination. That's not where you're heading. What, what, what are we doing? We, I'm just passing through. I may be in the valley right now, but this is not my home. I'm journeying to a place of peace. I'm just passing through. My God will get me through this. I'm just passing through. David said something similar in Psalm 23, and sometimes we just pass right over it. He said, even though I walk, everybody help me out. He said, even though I walk, what? Through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I may be in the valley, but I'm just passing through. I may be in a difficult time, but God is going to get me through. I may be hurting right now, but I'm not going to be hurting forever. My God is going to pull me through. I may be in a dark place right now, but we're just passing through the valley of Baca. We're just passing through the valley of tears. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, what we, if you're like me, what you say is, we just want out. God, get, get me out, God. I, I, just make it stop. Make it all go away. I don't want this anymore. Just take it away. I want out of this, God. But what we have to realize is that the pathway that God has for us is often through the valley. Not out of the valley and not around the valley, but through the valley because there's something there That we're going to learn. Not the the least of which is, it's in that place I'm going to get to know him intimately. And that's really what he wants for me. The road to the path of peace is is often through that valley. The valley of tears and pain. But we we got to remember, we're just passing through. We're just passing through. This is not our home. We need to, I just, on a side note, you know, we just can't get too comfortable in this world. This world is not our home. And if you're following Christ, I want to tell you something. You will never, ever really fit in, in this world. And it's okay. Because you weren't meant to. We're just passing through. I love the next phrase, verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Now, the King James Version says it this way, and it's it's not a bad translation. It says, they make it a well. In other words, whenever you're in a dry place, what do you do? You dig a well. You, You dig a little hole as a container for the provision of rain that God will send you. Now, God hasn't sent it yet. It's dry right now. But when you're dry and when you're hurting, you have to make room for the presence and provision of God. You make a well, even though it hasn't rained yet. It reminds me of the story of the three kings who went to battle against the Edomites and and as they got out in the desert and and they realized there's no water for them, their animals were thirsty, they're all gonna die in the desert if there's no intervention And, and the prophet comes to them and he says, this is what you do, dig ditches, dig ditches and he says, you're not gonna see any rain. But by morning, the ditches will be full of water. Now, it would have been really easy for all of those people to, to hear that prophecy, to hear the prophet say that, to hear the king say, all right, soldiers, get out your, your, your shovels and start digging ditches. It had been really easy for them to say, this is stupid. We're in a desert. There's no sign of rain. Even God said it's not going to rain. Why in the world are we digging ditches? But they dug the ditches anyway, and by the morning, the water filled those ditches. And here's the thing. Here's what we don't think about. The only the, 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 the depth and the number of ditches they dug determined how much water was available the next day. The, the preparation for the provision and the power of God was vital to see what God wanted to do. You make a well. It hasn't rained yet. Nevertheless, I know that my God will provide what I need. So what do I do? I make a container. I prepare for the presence and the provision of God. You make a well. It's almost as if God would say something like this to us. It's almost as if he's saying, you show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I will fill it. If you prepare for me... I'll show up. You show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. You know, Jesus had the same kind of philosophy in the new Testament. There's this guy who has a withered hand, you know, and I've always thought about, you know, about the guy, the old joke says, where the guy says, uh, Lord, I want you to, 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 to make my hand like the other one. And all of a sudden it went, <laughs> it's like, well, no, that's not what I meant. I meant the other way. And it went, <laughs> "It's like, <laughs> anyway, it's a really bad joke, but, but it's, and I don't I don't know why I shared that, but there's a guy with his withered hand. And, and what did Jesus say? He didn't just say, "I'm going to heal it." I heal you. That's not what he said. He said to him, "Stretch out your hand." That hand couldn't stretch out. It was withered. It was shrunken up. He couldn't do anything with it. And he said, stretch out your hand, and as you do, I will heal it. In other words, he was saying, show me that you believe that I can do this, and as soon as you take show me that you have faith, it's going to happen. A man who couldn't walk for 38 years, and Jesus walked to him, up to him, and he, he didn't just say, poof, you're healed. What did he say? He said, hey, take up your mat and walk. He told him to do something he had never been able to do, not in 38 years. He said, you get up. You show me you believe that I can make you walk, and you're going to walk. If you can show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. Now, I don't know who this is going to speak to, but somebody needs to hear this. If you dig it, he will fill it. If you plant it, he will grow. You have to plant your seed before you see the harvest. If you pray it, God hears your prayer. He's answering your prayer. Maybe not the way you want. Anybody ever get a prayer answered a different way than you wanted? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody besides me? Besides me? You look back later and you say, "Oh God, thank you for not answering that prayer the way I wanted." You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) If you dig it, if you prepare, your God will reveal Himself. When in are in the dry place, you make a well. You prepare for the presence and the provision of God. If you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. I, I love the if promises. Almost every promise of God is an if promise. You know what it means? It means something like where he says, if you will draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. You show me that you believe and I'll show you my presence. If you seek me, you will find me. If you make room for me, I will reveal myself to you there there's somebody here that maybe you haven't sensed the presence of God in a long, long time. I'm here to tell you it's time to dig a well. It's time to dig a a ditch. It's time to say, God, I'm going to stop and I'm going to wait for your presence. I'm going to prepare for your provision. I'm going to prepare for your presence in my life. I'm going to stop and wait and let you do it because if you dig it, he will fill it. Think about this. Some, Some of you really need an encounter with God. I believe that with my heart, but I want you to hear me. God rarely reveals himself to people who are rushed. I've always said it like this. We live in a microwave society and we serve a crock pot God. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know? With a crock pot, there's no way, that's not a fast way to cook food. God has a process because he knows that it's in the process that he is creating in you something that cannot be created any other way. You can get food, uh, flavor out of food in a crock pot that you can never get out of a microwave. Isn't that right? Thank God for crock pots. (laughs) I'm getting sidetracked here. I'm hungry. This should sink into somebody. He rarely reveals himself to people who are rushed. We gotta learn to slow down. That's part of preparing. That's part of digging that ditch. Imagine, imagine Moses at the burning bush. If he was like us, he'd be driving by at 75 miles an hour, taking a picture of it, and say, oh, Instagram story. You know, that's what it would be doing, all, that's all it would be about. But but that's not what God said. God says hey, to Moses, hey, why don't you stay a while? He says, why don't you take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground? Why don't you for a moment just be still right here with me? Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Why don't you make a well and then just wait on me to fill it? Because if you dig it, I will fill it. Jeremiah 29.13. We all love Jeremiah 29.11, but I think 29.13 is so powerful. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Be still and know that I am God. Some of you, it's just time to prepare and to say to God, I want to meet with you, and so I am going to wait for you. I'm going to believe that you're going to reveal yourself to me because I need you right now. And not just in a church service. Maybe it means that you get your the, the, your word out in the morning or in the evening, whenever you have your time with God, and you're going to read it, and you're going to say, I'm not going to rush through this. I'm going to listen. I, I believe that you're going to talk to me. And then when you when you pray, instead of just blurting out all of the requests and all the things that you want, you take time to stop and you wait and you just be silent before God. And you say, God, I believe that you're going to meet me. I believe that you're going to do something in my life. I'm going to be willing to wait on you. I'm not going to rush you. I'm going to let you do what you want to do. Because I know, Lord, if I dig it, you will fill it. You will fill it. You know, listen, I want you to know something. In my life... There have been moments in my life and just like you that where my life has been plunged into some dark, dangerous. Fear filled valley and there were those moments of pain and darkness and heartache that I desperately needed to encounter God and I've had those moments in life where I just could do nothing but fall on my face before God and I just said God please show up I need you I don't even know what to pray for I don't even know what to ask for I just need you God I just need you and let me tell you what didn't happen there was no audible voice. There was no double rainbow in the sky. There was no earthquake. There was no clap of thunder and lightning show. However, what happened was that I just truly, truly, truly sensed the comforting presence of God. I've had those moments when the peace of God that passes all human understanding just flooded my heart and my mind and I had peace in spite of the circumstances. Here's the thing, the circumstances had not changed. But what happened? My mind was set somewhere else. I wasn't dwelling on that anymore because when I began to think about who God was, I realized That problem, that circumstance, that heartache was tiny compared to him. My mind was somewhere else. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And what happened was I was able eventually to go back to the mountaintop because God met me in the valley. We enjoy him so much on the mountains, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. Here's what I hope you'll understand today. God never ever promised that you would not go through a valley. He promised that you would not go through a valley alone. God with us. That's what that means. That when you walk through the valley, you're not doing it alone. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, say it again with me, God with us. I love the way the psalmist phrases this portion of scripture. He says that as we journey through the valley of Baca, we're going to the place of peace. And then he says in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. I love this phrase, they go from strength to strength. And those who experience the strength of God Go from a little bit of strength to a little bit more strength to even more of God's strength to even more of His strength and and then even a little bit more of His strength until they finally appear before God in Zion. They'll go from strength to strength to strength to strength. Not our strength. Remember, that ran out a long time ago, but His strength. But here's what we have to understand. We praise him in the valley. Again, this only, is only possible if my mind is set on the right place. If I'm focusing on all the issues, the problems, the heartaches, I find it very difficult to praise God. Anybody besides me? I find it very difficult to praise him when I'm focusing on those things. And, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying you ignore them. I'm not saying you, don't, you say they don't exist. But I'm saying in those moments, if I focus my mind on who he is, I begin to realize how small the problems are compared to him. makes me think of, you know, sometimes I feel like I go to God and say, God, I need to talk to you. I got a problem. And I feel like God comes back to me and says, what? You You got a problem? I want to see it. I've never seen one of those. And then I show it to him. He says, that's not a problem. That's what it seems like to me. We praise Him in the valley because it's in the valley that He reveals His character to us. Shows us who He really is. It's in the valley that we can sense His strength in a way that we just cannot experience any other way. When you feel weak, who is God? In the middle of your weakness, my God is your strength. When you're in the darkness, who is God? Our God is is your light in the darkness. When, when you're in a season of trouble, who, who is our God? He is your joy in the midst of trouble. When, you, when you're in the middle of pain, who is our God? He is our, your comforter in the middle of your pain. That's who our God is. That's who he is. And even though we're in the valley, we do not fear. We do not fear. Why? 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 Because he is with us. He's with us. That's the picture of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow to death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Why do I fear no evil? Because the shepherd is watching over the sheep. He's with us. The same God that is good on the mountaintops is the God who is good to us in the valley. We get to know him in the valley. And if you're, if you're in the valley right now, everybody hear me on this. I want you to know you are just passing through it. That is not your final destination. You won't be there forever. Our God will lead you out. He is good. He is with you. He is present. And he will take you from strength to strength. And though you feel weak now, you will experience more and more of his strength as time goes on. And when you can't handle anymore, lean into him and let his strength be everything you need. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you, O God, are with me. He is Emmanuel. God with us. Bow your head. Let's pray together, Father. So we come into your presence right now, Lord. I, I pray especially for those that are here today, or maybe watching on the live stream, that they're they're walking through a valley right now, and I, God, I pray, God, that right now, that you would, be Lord, that uh, those that feel like they just can't take another step, that God, that they would realize that. There is a greater strength available to them. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I I just want to know if there's anybody here and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me today. Maybe, Maybe you're one of those that I've talked about that some parts of your life are going great and then other parts you're just really struggling walking through the valley. Or maybe it's just you're in that place where everything is just heartbreaking. But you say, Pastor, pray for me. I've been walking through a valley. Yes, hands are up all over this place. All over this place. I want you to know today, He is with you. He is with you. You are not alone. As I said, He never promised that you wouldn't walk through a valley. He just promised that you wouldn't walk through it alone. He is with you. Emmanuel. God with us. I want to pray for you today. And as I pray for you, would you just begin to, to say, God, I want to dig a well. I want to prepare for your presence and your provision in my life. I want to get my heart in the right place where I'm not l- living in and looking at the valley, but my mind is set on you. And, I, and by, by setting my mind on you, I begin to see how good you are so that I begin to expect greater and greater things. So I begin to, to, to wait on you as you, as you do that, would you just even now just begin to say, God, help me prepare for your presence and your, and your provision. Father, I pray for all of these hands. There's so many of them. Some, I'm sure, on the live stream as well. There's so many people, Lord God, that one way or another, they're just walking through the valley. And God, I don't know what it is. I, can, I can't possibly know and I can't possibly understand. But Lord, you do. You know exactly where we are. You know what we're walking through. You've walked down that road yourself. And right now, Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus that you would encourage their hearts, that God, that people in this room would be encouraged, that they would be strengthened, that they would realize that they are not walking in this valley alone, but God is with them. And Lord, I pray that even now, Lord, that you would help them to set their minds on you and not to focus on all the problems, but God, to focus on the miracle worker. Not to focus on the issues that are going on, but to focus on the one who can bring resolution to all of those issues. Not to focus on the sickness, but to focus on the one who can bring healing. Lord, I pray that in every situation, in every battle, in every valley, that, that, that our eyes would be lifted up beyond the floor of the valley and we would see you and God as we do I pray that you would help all of us Lord God to begin to prepare the, the prepare ourselves for that for your presence for your provision in whatever way that may be maybe it's to slow down and wait maybe it's an act that you're asking us to do Like you said to the man with the withered hand, you said stretch out your hand. Maybe there's something, some action that you've been speaking to us about making. And and Lord, I pray, maybe we've been hesitant to do that, but God, I pray in an act of faith we would do that. And Lord, I pray that today in the name of Jesus that you would intervene. And that God, that we would see you are a really, really good God. And Lord, I pray that those that are hurting would find the healing. That you would carry them through, Lord. Give them the faith and the, and the hope to know that this is not their their final destination. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself. I pray that you would help us, God, as we make these wells, that we as we prepare. Lord, draw near to us as we draw near to you. I pray for miracles. I, I thank you, God, that even before the answer comes, even before we see you move, we we praise you, not just for what you do. but We praise you for who you are. And Lord, we see that even more clearly because we're walking through the valley with you. We Thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You will never leave us, and you will never forsake us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.